Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Bench Units podcast. I am here joined as always by Mark. Mark, how's it going? It's going good, thank you. Do you have a fun, spontaneous, not thought up two weeks in advance intro for me this week? Uh, yes, the idea is that I was just going to be like, Mark, how's it going? Go on ahead, tell everyone. Do you have something to tell us all? <laughs> oh, yeah, I do. Um... Yes, I have recently been to Bilbao and I watched one of the most non-spectacular games of wheelchair basketball I have ever seen in my life. Oh, cool. That was it. <laughs> I'm going to get you with this again in a month. That was the whole plan. I'm just going to be like, Mark, go on ahead. You have something to tell the people. And I'm just going to like watch you squeam. The plan is to do this like once a month. Cool. Um, While we're about it, do you have anything to tell the people? No, not really. It was nice to have you here. Um, it's also nice to... As I said before, when people come and visit, you're like, this is nice. And then you like have an evening to yourself and like actually cook a meal. And you're like, ah, man, this is what life's meant to be like. It's weird living like you're on holiday when you're in your own place. Yeah. You're like, this is completely mental. It's ge- genuinely like a really straight, like getting out to see you guys was great. But like we were super aware the entire time that we're basically intruding. Uh, like so you guys both work in the evening obviously and so we spent the bulk of the day together it would be the equivalent of like sitting around while somebody's working during the day and then just crashing their like free time together in the evening and we did that for like four or five straight days but oh, we had a great time i'm just exhausted i feel like we were all just like but we didn't even do that much and it was like well you guys traveled to a different country with a baby <laughs> and we yeah, also like did our normal stuff and also just trips to run museums and stuff yeah <laughs> what a it great a life thing. it is a thing i've learned off the back of delilah's first holiday is that as much fun as it was and as much as i i'm like glad we got her out to see you guys and we all had and like it genuinely felt as we got back it was like felt like a really big thing we'd done and like we were super glad we did it but it's like also being on holiday with a four-month-old doesn't feel like any holiday i remember it's probably also just like hey so we can do these five things in a day and it's like no you've got like two yeah (laughs) two things pick two things Um, now we to be fair i think she was a pretty good spirit animal for all of us because she got progressively more tired over the first couple of days and then by like early afternoon on day three she was like take me home and put me to bed <laughs> i was like i think we were all feeling that but we're all like no nah, we're in our 20s we can still hack this we definitely couldn't i don't think we were ever we were ever able to hack it but it's nice to have like a bellwether for it in the form of like someone that will cry when they want to go home rather than just like wait for someone else to be like right should we call yeah, it a I'm going to start doing that. Like anytime I'm like, no, I'm no longer able to like enjoy myself because I'm tired or I'm hungry. I'm just going to cry. And to be fair, I think that that would get everyone cleared out. If like an adult man just started to cry at the slightest inconvenience or discomfort, I think people would be like, right, home time. Yeah, that's the move. All right. (laughs) um, Should we talk about some games? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Do you want to go Italy first, as previously discussed, to not have to have this conversation online? Yep. That's exactly why we did it. Um, So this was game three of the two-game series between San Stefano and Giulianova to decide who would go onwards to play Cantu in the uh, Italian League finals. So I was surprised. Were you surprised? 
I was surprised until uh, I was surprised to see the result because we saw this result while we were because obviously I w- I'm normally like spinning plates while you're playing on a Saturday, but I was actually at your game and only a little bit watching Albacete Alunion from the stands. Um, you were spinning plates in that you were talking Italian and Spanish and English and watching. Yeah, yeah. got got to do, it, man. I got I've like worked my way up to being semi competent in two languages other than my own, and I haven't really had chance to break either of them out in like the last. 10 years so i was like yeah we're here to work on the third one yeah um so yeah um i was surprised to see the result here um in that i would have expected santa stefano to win this game but i think this it doesn't normally happen over a three game stretch but i think santa stefano have a various very obvious scab to pick at in that you don't really know where the where their outside scoring is going to come from it's like Typically one of three or four guys to some extent on any given game. And Julian Over effectively made them spend a good chunk of the game figuring out who it was going to be. Uh, it had been Michelli in game one, which Santa Stefano won, and he had 26. He hit a couple in the first quarter, but was pretty quiet after that. And they, Giretti and Dimitri Tango hit like a couple throughout the game, but Santa Stefano just could not get enough outside production to enable their inside game and on the flip side Shea Babibai from Julianova had by a long way his best game of the season he had 35 on 70% two point shooting and a handful of threes um and yeah man like we've seen a ton of these like we don't dip into like the French or Italian leagues particularly often but we see a ton of these games where it's like uh, who can get their big guy closest to the basket and score the highest percentage because there's no outside shooting. And Gillian Over really made this be the style of play and they it worked in games two and three for them, even though it didn't look like it was going to after game one. Um and yeah, man, I just thought they I thought they pressed their advantage much better than Santa Stefano were able to press theirs. Um Santa Stefano did look like they were just gonna try and run them off the floor when they got a layup off like within seven seconds of the tip, I was like, oh man, here comes the storm. But <laughs> that was kind of it, man. Um, yeah. You keep saying yeah. there were two 11 transition points in a game. Although once again, these are never started that well, but like you keep a team like that out of transition and you go, all right, cool. Who's got it today when you know you're, well, you don't. Once you like get into that game, you figure out that you're getting the outside scoring um, from Barbie by and you go, all right, do any of your guys have it to go like, Pack the paint, and this guy's gonna have thirty-five. Like, <laughs> yeah, it was a. I think it was a. I think this showed Gillianova's advantage in composure as an intangible skill, maybe more than in shot making. And it it often feels in these Santa Stefano games like the more up against it they get, they get the more their solution is to double down on what they know they're good at. Yeah, and it's the, like, the hey, Jeff Van Gundy. That I mean, the Stan Van Gundy that yes. we use. Yeah, the first step is to play harder, and you're like, ah, it might be to take a step back. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> entirely that. But yeah, man, I thought Julian over to say they only got really they got seven points from Cavanini and four from Gabriel Benvenuto, who are their two predominantly inside guys. Yeah, it's a good thing they got thirty five from Barbabai because I don't know what they would have got otherwise, but I mean, they're two Israeli guys who start Babibai and Amit Vigoda combined for 50 out of their 65 points. 
And yeah, man, they're somewhat improbably we're headed for another Gillianova Cantu Italian finals, which is a repeat of last year. And I think had you told me at the start of the season how those teams were going to shift and the fact that Santa Stefano was still kind of what they were and Sassari were reloading. I would have not picked a rem- a rematch of the finals, but here we are, man. This is this is why yeah. we played these three game series, right? Because otherwise, like we would have got a slightly borderline fluky shooting performance from Michelli pulls Santa Stefano into the finals. Like it feels worth playing the three games now. Yeah, exactly. I think it kind of just gives you, as you say, it gives you a bit of endurance against like someone having the game of their life and that being it. Although, like, there are plenty of... The majority of other tournaments don't have that, but I like series. Obviously, there are financial restraints to playing a load more games than you kind of have to, and that's why most people don't do it. But, like, also... I think it's funny that if you look at the series that were the semifinals, it's like these two teams that are an hour away from each other up and down the coast. And it's like, yeah, you just drive there on the day, fly out. And then every game of San Stefano and Sassari was like a flight, a night in a hotel and a flight back. So yeah, this is drastically different financial implications for these teams. For sure. Um, Cool. Um, I only have one question off the back of this is San Stefano have kind of, stuck with their guys for a long time now and added pieces around the edges i feel like if they have if they've not made it to the final this year this is potentially the time where we see a shake up in team structure or philosophy because i think if there was ever a year where it was there for the taking it should have been this one and i would have thought so i think we've seen the limitation of their style of play now yeah like they've had the only sort of like amazing year they've had in the last couple of years was when they had Jordi Ruiz and like signed Jordi Ruiz and you're going to get better. Like that's not really like that's not really that's a blueprint. But then when he leaves again, that's not really an institutional thing that will help you get better. But I don't know, they're your league one finals like they could very much like if they win that um, they've had a good year in theory. Um, depends what their priorities are, but most teams just like want to win something. Yeah. Um, because it's probably mostly because it's important to be able to like sell to sponsors and this, that, and the other. And people like winning, obviously, but like big wigs and teams like knowing that they've taken something home. Um, so like there's a world in which they are disappointed right now and then win your league one and don't care as much anymore. Yeah, but there's a real um there's like a short memory element to these things, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um like there's a weird thing where it's like a lot of Teams would probably rather win EuroLeague one than come third in Champions Cup final four, and it's like, yeah, I could see it, but you're, you're leaning on the old Bilbao um, champions of Europe for like three years <laughs> or whatever it was. I mean, that's the move. We're coming for it again. <laughs> I was going to say they're going to think that if they you, win EuroLeague one, they're all good, but we'd like to, we'd like to think the same. Yeah, right. Shall we shift on? Speaking of Spain. All right, let's go to Spain. And the first game of the week we're going to talk about was Gran Canaria 69, Leganes 61. So the big thing on this game was just uh, Alexi Ramone with 37 on 13 of 21 shooting, 11 from 14 from the line. This is this is a weird one because, I don't know, you see, anytime you see an NBA game or an able-bodied game that someone gets really high numbers, 
it's like, oh, what? Oh, yeah, they went 13 of 15 from the line. And I feel like there aren't that many people in the wheelchair game that can consistently get to the line. But like a guy that moves like Ramane does against a Leganese team that aren't that mobile is certainly one of the candidates. If you were like, right, someone, someone hits 15 free throws in a game this year, who is it? And who is it against? Like, yeah. you're kind of. You're getting there, there might not be there might not be a matchup that makes a player drool more than Ramane against Leganes without Cano. Yeah, um, yeah. thirty-seven, and, seven and seven and seven um, <laughs> plus and, eight because he came. Yeah, because yeah. they say, won by um, forty minutes. Like you say, you know, he was eleven of fourteen free throws. It's not that often you get one player into double-digit attempts and makes. And quite honestly, Ramane would have had a good amount more free throws if half of the defenders he was blown by had been able to stay close enough to foul him. Yeah, that's <laughs> was the thing. Like... <laughs> like, so especially when um, when Leganes were like playing high line and he just beat his guy, and then there's nobody between. He like beat his guy by the time he was at the elbow of the free throw line, and there's nobody between him and the basket. And he ran layups in, I think, on like four or five separate possessions just by beating the initial defender and having like a straight run home. But yeah, man, I thought um, between him and Luigi, uh, Luigi was seven from 15. He had a good game. And then uh, Jorge Salazar was five, nine. He had 14 as well. So yeah, good offensive output. Grand Canary got all but four of their points from three guys, uh, which is very unusual considering how they play. But yeah, yeah you man, think just feel... organically from all the ball movement, it would find its way to someone else. But like, yeah, well, they again, they weren't even really running their offense a lot of the time. It was like, hey, if they set up in a high line, let's not even try and break them down. Let's just have Ramane attack the low. <laughs> That's probably where a good amount of it came from. But yeah, I think we really saw Leganes have faded without Cano in recent games. Still not sure what the situation there is, but yeah, they just were not set up to match them defensively at least. Uh, I didn't think their offense was terrible getting to 61 points. They only shot 40%, but again, without Cano to break those guys down, they end up shooting a lot more contested shots. And I think the sneaky knock-on effect of Cano not being around is it's been a lot less minutes for Matias Mendes, who was really having kind of a, you know, he was putting himself on the map in the early portion of the year because he's has the Argentinian fearlessness. Um, Spanish League and- All-Star along with me, Matias Mendez, because that's a real thing. Um, <laughs> I wanted to mention that and make fun of it, but make fun of it for myself without discounting him. <laughs> um, what was I going to say? Also, it was weird. Grand Canaria came out three fours and two low pointers, and then we're like, oh, yeah, we're about as big with um, two mids on the floor. Like, we can go two, we can go two five, two five. And have one of them be Luigi, who is massive. <laughs> like, I don't know. There's a. I don't think you necessarily need to match up against their four big because they're not murdering you on like elbow post ups that much. But you're also fine with Luigi because he's probably your second tallest player anyway. Yeah, no, I think you're right. Um, I also, I think the most surprising part of this game is the fact that the possession battle is actually relatively evenly distributed. It was what, 58 total shots and 17 free throw attempts for Leganes and then 54 total shots and 20 free throw attempts for 
Canaria, I would have thought, given the speed mismatch here, Canaria would have run away with the possessions game a little bit, but Leganes did what they could. Yeah, um, well, the speed because... thing doesn't necessarily bump your possessions up on its own because you like if you score quickly, yeah, you're then true. giving them one quicker. It's more like steals and yeah, bad true. rebounding or offensive boards on the other end. Or yeah, or that was maybe that do that. maybe what kept Leganes in it was they didn't turn the ball over a whole lot. Like, they never do able, really. Well, I don't know. They're maybe. able to kind of play keep away with the. I mean, they're essentially playing volleyball between some of their guys, aren't they? But yeah. yeah, I mean, they got 20 from Alexis Ruiz and 19 from Cristian Gomez, but the efficiency wasn't there, man. The, the shots they got were tough. Yeah, I um, think when you're down to that point, when you're missing some people and you just have to depend on certain guys, if they don't have it in a certain day, you're in trouble. Yeah, uh, entirely. But yeah, shout out to Grand Canary, man. They've they've gradually gotten better as the season's gone on. And they've I just, this game as much as any, I feel like they just need one more guy. Like they've they've kind of made their bones in the last few years by having like a very evenly spread five man offense, and it just feels like they're a piece short this yeah. year. So it's if they can, gra- they can grab a guy in the off season, who knows, man? They might be might be fighting for the top four again. Might be interesting. Um, yeah, uh, cool. We'll move on. We will. They're all fifty four. Madiba sixty three. And for me, this was another. Example of what I was just saying, where if you're kind of depending on a handful of guys, if they don't have the efficiency, you're going to have some trouble. Madiba ended up winning 63, obviously 54, but you had their main guys. Sandoval went uh, 10 from 17, but John was 7 from 20. Um, That's enough to get it done, but I thought they would have gotten it done by a little bit more than this. Um, But yeah. It was super scrappy, man. I caught caught a few minutes of this, and it was. I think this was maybe like a. I think Madiba know in games like this they can beat up on the weak teams through like a physicality and, you know, out push these guys and get easy shots. But I didn't think they finished particularly clinically when they did get them, and even against a weaker team, if you're as offensively, like you say, dependent on a couple of outputs like Madibra, you can't really afford to blow the easy ones, and they spent a lot of time trying to build the lead, and it just never really happened. Um, yeah. But they, they took care of Farrell, which yeah. is not any huge compliment, but yeah, for Farrell, um, <laughs> every time I see there's Anderson Silver on Farrell, I don't know what's going on here. Um, but yeah, 24 for him, 15 for Carol Schultz, 8 for Lorenzo Mbo, and a couple of other chip-ins here and there. Um, Sandoval, 23. Um, John, 17. Joe Mar, Granados, 12. And yeah, sixes and fives. Um, sneaky, sneaky, decent um, scoring slash finishing year from Joe Mar. I think it looked like he was going to struggle to put any points up prior to the Jose Leap arrival because he like he's overtaxed as your third best guy, but He's had like a nice, I think he's developed a bit of his game where if he gets like a one pointer left on him, he's happy shooting like a short post up over a, yeah. a minimum height guy. And it's yeah. it's worked out well for him. Yeah, he's quite a big guy as a 2-5 and he's strong. And when you can get him into just playing pick and roll with John, who is going to get a lot of heat defensively, like, yeah, he's he had an unbelievable game against us in our place. I remember us being like, oh, oh God, like if he's <laughs> going to play this well. 
as their like fourth guy, this might be a bit more difficult than we thought. But yeah, yeah. now he's been a bit more efficient and on a bit higher volume, which is the thing. Like, can you be efficient while also having to step up? Like, there's a lot of guys that can go like two from three in a game, but would never go like six from nine. Nine. Yeah. Me, for example. Like, <laughs> um, I go two from three or I'll go two from seven. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, should we move well, on? Your coach should know there that the trick is to just sub you out as you make your second shot. <laughs> right. He's capped out. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, our, our coach always used to like we'd be playing games last year where we had five guys and he'd be talking to me. He'd be like, "Hey, you do know that there's probably like seven more shots you're gonna have to take because <laughs> he knows that I'm just like, uh, yeah, <laughs> who wants to shoot now?" But anyway, um, shall right. we move on? Let's do it. Do you Let's want to start that. this game with the quote from your teammate? Uh, yes. So. Someone on my team was watching this game, which is Mercia 75 via the lead, 78. At one point, via the lead, we're up a handful. And his exact words were, I understand wheelchair basketball less and less every day, which was weird to me because via the lead, they're higher up in the league than Mercia. But I would have thought, I, I would have called via the lead to win this, but I don't know. There was a world in which you could look at Mercia's press and think that it would do enough damage to via the lead who like to play sort of methodically at times and always have a one on the floor. But yeah, I think I'm, I mulled that over a bit and I, I think this is maybe a case of via the lead seemed to peak earlier in the season and have been kind of grappling to stay there recently. Whereas I think Mercia there's been like the Lee Fryer emergence in the second half of the year where he's seemingly putting up 25 ish points every game. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I wonder if your guy just thought they were kind of traveling in different directions and would have called Mercy for this one. But last time they played each other, Vidal had pulled it out by about seven points, if memory serves. Um, and yeah, I thought, I mean, I watched this game back. I, I didn't watch it as it was happening because we were obviously, uh, I was out in Bilbao and we were getting ready to watch your game. Um, yes. and I caught the stats and I was like, man, this is close, but I would have. I think I've built up enough confidence in Vidalid that I would have thought they would have won this game. Um, And they ended up doing so, but not without some hijinks towards the end. Um, Yeah, that got real weird. There was so much, it was like just cartoon cartoon levels of chaos with like, (laughs) just can't get a rebound at the end of a game. Just like the dust cloud with limbs like flying in and out of it as they kick and punch each other. But um, yeah, I thought. I mean, Lee was kind of the main story here. He had 30 for Mercia on 24 shots, um, nine assists, and 10 rebounds, so just an assist shy of a triple-double. But Come on, stats, people. Sort of. Yeah. Sort of right. um, I thought it was interesting, because he went out to try and shut down. Vidalid went small and quick to end the game, which makes it even more surprising how much Mercia struggled to get a rebound uh, with Yelmer off the floor, but... I think rebounding gets more erratic when you shoot a load of threes. And there was a load of possessions down the stretch that uh, via the lead were happy to sort of try and run the clock down. And then through a combination of running the clock down and being well defended, they had to chuck up some late clock threes and they just, the rebounds came back out to the three point line, which is so unfortunate. Like, yeah. Um, Romo had 27 for Adelaide. Uh, He's also done the shaved head 
in ode to either Triple H or Simone Di Maggi. You make your mind up on that. Um, There's so many people who shaved their head. <laughs> like, yeah, no, it's a, it's the shaved head and like still the slight beard. They were the first two people I thought of. Um, <laughs> Triple but, H is such a weird one to go to straight away. <laughs> uh, um, but, yeah, I thought it was interesting watching Mercia try and put the press on, and I think you maybe forget because Violet, as you say, play very methodically, but. Lee went to pick up on separate occasions both Romo and CJ Grogan in the closing minutes, and both of those guys, I don't know if caught Lee by surprise with their like own speed and mobility, but they like single-handedly broke the press, and I think it's like genuinely a thing of Lee isn't always ready for like people to be able to outmaneuver him. Um, you see the thing with people who are quick when they come up with other people who yeah. are as quick because they're like, oh god, yeah, no, gotta gotta go. <laughs> it's like the, like the thing we talked about with like the Hasso game against Thuringen, where it's like, oh, you mean I have to hold the ball out of the reach of this person? <laughs> this isn't how I shoot. Um, but yeah, I thought there was that, and I thought Vitalid didn't execute brilliantly at the end of the game, really. Um, they made just enough shots. I thought there was a couple of possessions where the press kind of did its job in slowing them down, getting over the half court and forced them into some not great shots or like being too tentative to make a pass after they'd kept the ball safe for like eight to 10 seconds. Uh, I thought they could have got some better shots, but they ultimately pulled it out and they made their free throws at the end of the game. So yeah, you can't like, yeah. Could they have optimized slightly? Yeah, probably. Did they do enough to win the game in a safe controlled manner yeah just about yeah there was a couple um, of a couple of weird calls like there was one where Miel Carbo was contesting someone's breakaway I think it was Maxi Ruggieri breakaway layup and I don't know from well it's tough from a camera at the halfway line but didn't look like he did a whole lot wrong and they got the call there which was yeah I don't know like someone who was on the baseline could be like yeah and it was absolutely a hundred percent a foil and I, I would just have to fair because I wasn't there and hard to see this stuff but that looked pretty tough and stuff like that makes a difference also um, for like a handful of minutes they went um, Mercia went Robles Sonia Ruiz and Beatriz Sudaire um, Lee and Lalo and they were minus four in a game that ended up they lost by three but like that's a weird one where if you go to a lineup you don't normally go to, and that was for I think it was five minutes. Yeah, five minutes, two seconds. It's like you do that and you lose a game by three. That's pretty tough going because I don't really know. It's not a lineup we've it, seen a whole lot from them, but it's, it's a tough one as well, man. Because Lee and Pablo Zazuela are combined what twenty from thirty six, mm-hmm. and then. The other guys who would be their main contributors in Joaquin Robles and Lalo Prieto are combined, what's that, nine of 28. Yeah. It's like in a game you lose by three, man. All you needed was for a third guy to step up and make, like, especially Lalo missed a couple of easy ones. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, it comes down to more than that, but it's like, man, when you get good performances from two of your guys and you've got kind of four offensive weapons in your starting unit that you feel like you can depend on, it it's really tough to have two more guys come up short of expectations from their re- their own relative standards. And had yeah. you got a decent game from one of them, you probably would have pulled this one out. But sure, yeah, I mean, credit to Vidalid, man. They they've hung tough against Mercia twice, who've been a hell of a test for them. And yeah, they've pulled it out both times. 
Mm-hmm. Cool. Yes. Move on. Yes. Move on. Let's do it. All right. So this one was Bill Bow eighty eight. You have a dude thirty two. Not a whole lot to talk about. You were there. Um, I was indeed. Happy with, happy with 25. Adrian Garcia with 23. Gemma with 22. Asia with 12, 13, and 16, which is just hilarious. And like that's what he does. The Jason um, triple-double. Yes. Um, he's probably had more like all in the like 15 range triple-doubles than most people, but has the ball on his hands all the time. Um, so that would make sense. Um, this has me down as zero from one when I was zero from three, which is very, very <laughs> generous. Uh, not you're plus lot. 28, though. Not bad. Zero from 23, zero from zero from 23, zero from 23. three. If you're plus 28, um, yeah, in a game that you win by 56, <laughs> your, your dude Adrian Garcia is knocking on the um, esteemed Joachim Linden plus minus numbers where he's got up to plus 50 himself. Oh, Not yeah. quite legend. plus 64 that Lyndon had earlier this year. Uh, Pappy's plus 56 as well. And Pappy might have had the quietest 25 points of every anybody I've ever watched. Yeah. Um, um, but he yeah. has the ability to do this for some reason. It's like his 46 against Galatasaray just happened like two points at a time. Sounds a very obvious thing to say, but you would at any point in that game, you would have been like, how many has he got? And you're like, eh, 28, I reckon. Yeah, five um, times many more five five times as many points as dribbles is like <laughs> the thing where it's like if you're not having any resistance there, it's like catch, bank shot, cool, yeah. like catch, little post up in the middle of the key. See you later. Um, but yeah. So before the game, you asked me how many shots Fabian Castilla of Juventus was going to take, and you set the over under at I think you said seventeen and a half. I went under. He was three from fourteen. Yeah, and books. yeah, Joventut were there. He's obviously player coach. They were there with seven guys, um, and not much in the way of rotation. They got one guy into double figures. Um, Jose Mora's his name. Um, yeah, they just they're seriously undermanned against basically every team, and they're certainly not equipped to deal with Bilbao having three guys get above twenty points. No. <laughs> There's no way in hell they're they're set up for that. And yeah, glad I got out to watch. Um, when I got to Bilbao, and your guy Lucas asked me if I'd pick this weekend because you'd wanted to assure me to come to a game that was a surefire win. <laughs> I thought it was funny. That's ridiculous. Imagine you picked one to come to, and it was like, <laughs> yeah. To be fair, Anna's parents came out to watch us against Valladolid, which is like. But that was, I think, with the fixture change because the world's being moved and stuff. So it was like you literally just like nailed this as close as possible because anyone below, I'm not too sure. Anyone above us, I'm not too sure. You want to see it either? You want to see <laughs> us? You want to come and see us win, but in a good game? Um, yeah. Cool. Slim pickings. All right. Yep. Vigo 55. Uh, Amivel Malaga 71. Um, this was. What, sorry? Go, Go ahead. The thing that surprised me about this, like Malaga's pace in the first quarter, man, like yeah. just came That's out. Cool. And and I say pace, like some of it was just like absolute touchdown passes to Leo Pecky, um, or some other guys under the basket. But it was a lot of like get down the floor, try and get down in transition. If it doesn't work, like not, I don't know. I think a lot of teams kind of leave stuff on the table in like semi transition where it's like, okay, we don't have a layup in like a two on one. Let's walk the ball up and 
play half court stuff, but they got a lot of stuff in like 10 seconds into an offense of just like run, trailer, one skip, bang. Or like run, trailer, nothing there, mismatch, bang. Yeah. Um, and they ended up with pretty efficient scoring because of it. Because Arena, nine from 13, and Leo Pecky, nine from 12, both doing different things that I just spoke about. And then, yeah, I think you, there's kind of, if you've got, a team like Vigo who have to play a certain way and depend on a certain guy a lot. If you make them kind of lose their shape offensively out of necessity, you kind of, that lends itself to no safety and breakaways. And yeah, I was just interested because I wouldn't have said uh, Malaga are a team that have a lot of quick guys, but I don't know if I would have said they play particularly quick because. Yeah. Especially considering two of their, or maybe their two quickest guys. Uh, Leo Pecker is like obviously the quickest guy because he's a racer, but yeah, he's maybe a Paralympic bronze medalist and yeah. track. Maybe. Like he's actually quickest guy in a wheelchair in the world type stuff for a certain disability. <laughs> like, but maybe they're two quickest guys with you know functions and services built outside of that just their speed of missing in Pete Cusack and Lewis Edwards. So this would, I mean, with the lineup they've got, you wouldn't be like, uh, Pete and Lewis are out. At least now we can play fast. It's yeah. Like, yeah Thank God those sense. two guys aren't here. Let's yeah. get running. Those two <laughs> guys can't go um, quick. But yeah, this was, I mean, this was Malaga's most balanced scoring game for a while, which I get the scoring can be very balanced when a number of guys can get away for a fast break layup. Um, it's not necessarily like re- representative of some massive breakthrough in the half court, but yeah, yeah, man. I thought the interesting thing was they played. Uh, yes, I'm Battencourt played for Vigo only 21 minutes, and he was, a, if we're to believe the plus minus, which roughly I would say matched the eye test. They drew his minutes even in a game yeah. they lost by 16. He had a little like had three fouls in those 21 minutes, but. Against a team that's hemorrhaging, you know, you're hemorrhaging fast break points to maybe stick the biggest guy out there as an offensive rebound threat and make them think twice about whether they want to disappear. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I was I'm not sure. about this, but there were times where it was like, I was like, how's he? Do you get you kind of, you watch games and you just happen to be looking at the ball or you happen to be looking at something on the weak side and you don't realize how someone's one on zero as soon yeah. as the shot goes up? I was like, are they just defending five on four? But a lot of the times it was like, no. Leo was like underneath someone and just quicker than yep. them getting out. But yeah, no, I think you're like, if you can, either way, if you can capitalize on the fact they're five on four. But I do think um, they've found something in this five big lineup that they have. Like gotcha. it's, but I say that, yeah. I feel like they have, but as you say, it was minus 16. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, part of that is the, there is obviously a couple of, both Basti Cole, given his size and his disability, and Hiveli Hansen are not the staunchest of defenders when Malaga are rolling out. Guys like Esparza, who's very mobile, and Cosarinha, who, you know, is getting progressively better at getting inside. But I thought it was a, a pretty weak supporting cast scoring game uh, outside of Agustin Alejos and Basti Cole, the 20 and 15. Then they get Josh Meyer with eight points and two points apiece from their other two starters and then a handful of bench points it just yeah man, i would have thought stick with the stick with the size a bit more because that's one thing malaga don't 
really have. I mean, like Kyle is their what third biggest guy there. He's not small, but they've got nobody to contend with Betancourt. But again, it's the it's the size versus mobility trade off, isn't it? But I would have thought minus sixteen versus a zero plus minus score is at least enough to edge you in the right direction. But yeah, maybe. obviously, maybe that's less obvious when you're coaching the game on the fly. Um, or maybe you you know trust that Vilas and Hansen and whatever are gonna ha- you know find their form in finishing at some point, but it just didn't really happen. They didn't get a lot of shots up between yeah. the two of them. To be fair, there are um, some plus minus things that like someone comes on the floor and it happens to like coincide with a bad run from the other yeah. team or whatever, and they look amazing. I don't I don't know if it's that or not. I don't remember like it matching up, like it lining up with something else going particularly wrong. But no. But anyway. I, I think um, Vigo, another one of those teams, similar to what we said about Gran Canaria, man, is if if they can get, because right now they've kind of got this two lineup thing. I feel like they need another piece to diversify their lineups just a little bit and clarify some roles. But yeah, I mean, Malaga, to their credit, started off the season not looking too sharp. And even with the injuries, they seem to have solidified some of their identity. Um, whether Leo Pekka has played his way into more minutes if they're to roll the same squad back, I don't know, but I think he's proved he has a function for them, which they weren't really using him at all in the first half of the season. Um sure. and this is yeah. once again they're playing a lot of the line like one of their early lineups that's actually like over points. Which yeah. is which is nice. Yeah. Cool. Should we shift on? Yep. All right. So the big one. The big one the of big the week. So, so big in fact that it apparently blew out the live stream for the first 14 minutes of game time or whatever it was. I was going to say about this, there were a handful of games that this streaming either didn't work or it was laggy or the sound was poor or the scoreboard did not reflect the actual correct stats or whatever. And it very much reminded me of, do you know when you come back to school in September and you've just completely forgotten how to write? (laughs) Like they were off for one week for Champions Cup. And the stats were just messed up or the stream was dodgy or the stream was down or the sound wasn't working properly. And it's like, come on, man. It's like when you come back to school in January and you just write the date wrong 15 times before you realize it's 2023. (laughs) Oh, God. Um, Very disappointing that the first quarter and a bit of this wasn't there. But by the time we got into it, it was Illinois 26, Amiab 22, right? Yeah. Yeah. And... Yeah, it made it... I mean, we were texting about this because we've obviously been watching the games kind of belatedly. We're obviously recording this later than we usually would because we were partying it up in Bilbao. But um, Together. Yeah, I think it was tough to get a read on this game, to be honest, because when you come into the game a chunk of it in, you're watching two teams who have kind of already got a feel for each other over those opening minutes. And it, the first few Amiab possessions... Uh, Illunion were jumping Phil super hard um, and like chasing him off didn't, to his right hand and making didn't him try matter. So. it from 11. <laughs> yeah, they would, but they were jumping so hard and I was like, I mean, the rap on Phil has been for a couple of years now hold out without jumping him for as long as you can get away with because the damage he does against a discombobulated defense is kind of tough to, you know, he would have to have a hell of a shooting game, which he ultimately did to... um to kind of approximate that level of damage. But 
Yeah, he they were jumping really hard, and I was kind of like, why are they so keen to jump when I haven't seen him make a shot yet? And then, <laughs> oh yeah, I probably haven't seen him make a shot because I didn't watch the first quarter and a half of this game. But um, yeah, at that time you're like, it's twenty six twenty two. He could have had twenty of these, and I wouldn't know. <laughs> That's the thing. Also, when you watch a game like a rematch of a game earlier on in the season, what teams do in the very beginning is kind of the most indicative of what they've learned from the first game. By the time you're into the second, third quarter, you're reacting to the first quarter rather than reacting to the games we'd previously seen. So it would have been nice to have seen that. Yeah. Um, and the I guess the other point, again, I may have focused, but by the time we'd got into the stream, um, Polipski and Charlotte Moore had been taken out for Ben and uh, Oscar and Rubio, which is interesting because that's obviously the Spanish league version of the lineup they ran to close out Landil the other week. But yeah, I mean, Filipski's playing progressively less minutes, it feels like. Um, he did ultimately like sub in just to drill the couple of free throws that sealed the game. So what a I luxury. Guess, <laughs> yeah. He obviously isn't getting too cold sitting on the bench there, but Amiab seemed to have identified with the, you know, the Oscar and the, be it Ben or Harry, depending on the junior allowance. Um, yeah, they seem to have identified that they just want to play defense first, and Filipski's obviously out there as an offensive commodity more so than anything else. And Amiab have almost got so much faith in their transition game and their ability to generate offense that way that they're willing to punt on Filipski's half-court production. Um, yeah, but I think... seems completely mental, but also Ben's consistently getting inside and able to, you know, he's a credible inside threat in their half-court offense, right? Struggle a little bit against the size of Bill and Hasso at a couple of points here, but plus 10 in 30 minutes. So I say this approach is working for them. Yeah, I think, I don't know, the coaching 101, when you talk about offensive lineup versus defensive lineups, it's like, all right, cool, if we're going to go out there and just play quick and try and get stops, can we then get out and transition? Um, well, yes. Um, can we get can we get inside? Ali 11 from 16, Lee um, 8 from 13, Ben 3 from 8. Like, okay, cool, check. And then if the other team managed to get back in transition and force us into five on five, do we have credible outside scoring? Phil it from 11. Cool. Jack done. So Oscar hit a and, couple as well when they, the Illunion fully did the, Hey, let's test the guy with no fingers thing. And he made a couple of shots that really, I thought they're all, the bra- they're all backbreakers, aren't they? We've spoken yeah, about this yeah. where you just still are like, Oh, this guy can't be whatever, but he shoots like, <laughs> above 50% from 15 feet. But it's like the thing you then talk about where the next thing is, all right, cool, we've managed to get back in transition. Phil's killing us. Can we jump out over the top of that? 21 assists. All right, cool. What do you do? (laughs) Yeah, Amiab's ability to beat the, I don't know what the best word, but as the defense progresses in taking away each element of their game, their ability to then move relatively seamlessly onto the next option is probably as good as any team. I think that's what really sets them apart this year is they, it seems to be, I mean, we've always talked about Thuringen and how it's tough to get an offensive run against them. It feels like it's really difficult to get consistent 
sequences of stops against Amiab, like you're not going to throw them a defensive look that it takes them like three or four possessions to solve, is yeah. how it seems. Um, I thought really crucial to this game was the fact that Amiab won the rebounding battle 40 to 24 and including only three offensive rebounds for Lunion. Um, Mainly because if you're Amiab and you're so dependent on getting out, not so dependent, but so focused on getting out in transition, and the other team can only make you pay with three offensive rebounds on, you know, 30-odd missed shots, that's, you know, you if you're getting that many rebounds, it equals that many more transition opportunities, and it's kind of the snowball effect of, you know, being able to stop two points from them and put up two points of your own in short order is is going to stack up. That said, Illunion hung about because Terry had 29. Yeah. And he said we're officially reaching the point in the season where Terry is here for it. It feels like yeah, we're, we have we have broken the glass. <laughs> like um <laughs> yeah, like Terry had it. Um but I think part of the reason Albacete looks so good are like I I think it's just I'm trying to think how to describe this appropriately. Most teams, when Terry gets going to try and deal with him, you have to throw the kitchen sink at him, and then you have nothing left to defend anyone else. Um, Amiab can go, all right, cool, Ben, off you go, or Phil, off you go, and you've still got size behind you. You've still got the ability to put Oscar and Rubia on someone's footplate 25 feet from the basket. Like They just have so many resources that are... It's like a quality and a quantity of resources where they can just throw two or three different things at someone who's getting going, but they don't have to do two or three things at the same time. Yeah, um, and I, th- I think it's a very similar formula, just sli- slightly differently executed, but not dissimilar results to what we saw with the Thuringen game uh, for Lunion, where Terry gets his, but then I think... Thuringen were able to limit it to Terry and Greg reaching double digits and everybody else in single digits. And in this game, it's Terry with 29, Tom with 14, and then everybody else in single digits for Lunion. Um, And that seems to be, I mean, it's tentative to a point that the formula after two games, but it seems like if you make Terry carry the team and you can shut down everybody else to a reasonable extent, I mean, had had Greg had a hot shooting game, he was three from twelve. I thought I may have closed out on him and contested his shots really well. Mm-hmm. Had Greg made a couple of those contested shots and really changed the calculus in terms of how Amiab couldn't help off him or whatever, I think this could have turned out drastically different. Yeah. Yeah, um, how do you think Alunion feel about this in comparison to a couple of months ago, knowing that they have to play them again in Final Four? Because I think they lost the last game. Was it like eighteen? Yeah, I, th- I mean, I think Alunion have been getting better uh, in this portion of the season, and I think they certainly have reasons for optimism in that this was a very good outside shooting game for Albacete in terms of Phil taking and making maybe more than he typically would. Um, And yeah, I think obviously Greg could have made a couple more that would have opened it up a little bit more for the big. So I think if you're a Lunion, you certainly don't leave this game thinking, oh man, there is officially no roadmap to, you know, at least keeping it this close again. And you've also got to bear in mind, man, it was 36, 35 for Amiab. 
at the end of the first half, Ben blocked Terry's post up um, to make sure they didn't get a shot away. And then Amiab opened the third on an 8-0 run in a game they won by eight points. Yeah, it was Alejandro, 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 Phil. Yeah. Time out. Done. Yeah. Um, and yeah, man, I think Amiab obviously did everything they had to do to make it work and credit to them. And I think I actually think both teams will be going into the following matchup being like, yeah, we, you know, we feel pretty good about this. Obviously, I mean, I have every right to feel better about it, but yeah, yeah, I think Lunion there's reason for optimism, but it's you know, <laughs> there's no there's no guarantee that you're tied with Amiab at halftime again. Let's put it that way. Um, so it's not just a case of stopping the eight zero run. Yeah. So yeah, that's kind of my take on this one. I have you. I don't have anything else to add other than how inevitable was the Ben Fox to Tom O'Neill Thorn trash talk that took place early third quarter and onwards, or back and forth, not one directional. That made it sound like um, it was only I don't, I, I don't remember it, but yeah, two guys that love it. Um, well, I think it's funny because you watch Tom, who obviously loves it and is so there for it, and then Ben seems like he can't stop himself, but is incensed that it's taking place. <laughs> 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 um, but yeah, I thought that this was an awesome game, and I, I wish we'd got to see the opening stretch of it. But I look forward to seeing these guys play again for sure. Mm-hmm. All right, cool. Should we move to Germany? Should we make a joke about it, implying that we're moving our lives rather than moving the conversation? Sure. I don't think we've done that all season. No. All right, cool. Landale eighty three, um, wheelchair basketball theme park, Munsterland. What a throwback! Forty five. Um, <laughs> we haven't done that in a while. Um, no, no. I, think, I think we get we get like unsure about how many weeks in a row we should use the same joke, and then by the time we call them back, it's like uh, this is uh, has it faded now? Should we have just powered on through? Um, yeah, this was this was Tommy Bomer after a couple of tough games for Landil. Tommy came back in a big way, and he had thirty one on twenty three shots and. Munsterland had re- they don't have anyone to defend Tommy. Let's be clear about that. And without Matthias Bellas, they don't really have anyone to defend Landil's interior size either. Um, and Matthias Gunther with eighteen. And yeah, I thought the bigs for Landil in Rayo and Gunther. Rayo only had five points in twelve minutes, but I thought the presence of the size that was out there for Landil did a lot for Tommy and also did a lot for Rose, who came off the bench and had 15 in, in 16 minutes. Yeah, but, uh, Rose. yeah man. Good old Rose Hollowman. Yeah. That, that's like my sarcastic voice, but I didn't mean it. Rose is the best. <laughs> like, I don't know why that came out. Like, or maybe I'm just doubting myself, but... Yeah. Um, but yeah, I th- this obviously... This game is a, a talent mismatch anyway, but yeah. I think you, had Bella's been there, you could have been like, ah, maybe... Munsterland can turn this into a slog and take away some of the easy stuff inside, but without him, yeah, it's it's not happening, man. Yeah. <laughs> no roadmap here. Um no, for very little to go on. Yeah, Munsterland nineteen for Zoran Muller, who gets buckets against any team. Yeah, and best player in the universe. Twelve for Julian Lammering and then a couple of twos and fours elsewhere. But yeah, yeah shout out to Munsterland, man. We're big fans of theirs and have great respect for what they've done this season, but nobody will hold a near 40 point loss to Landil without your most important player against you. 
Now, also, if you shoot 38% and also shoot 22 less shots than the other team, like, just, I don't even <laughs> know where the discrepancy comes from, like, apart from 12 offensive boards. Um, I say I don't know where it come from. I literally haven't checked the turnover stats yet. That would tell me, yeah, there you go, 12 turnovers, 12 offensive boards. Um, there's, 24, yeah. there's 24 extra possessions and, and 22 different, yeah, there you go, never mind. I say I don't know what it's come from. I just haven't read it yet. Landil weren't quite in full Thuringen mode of running the score up, but they certainly weren't giving Munsterland any breaks. No, absolutely Should not. Should we move on? Cool, yes, let's do it. Um, no, we got a couple of hot rolling Bears games because they played on both days, so we'll lump these in together. Yes. Okay. So I'll let you lump. Hot rolling Bears, 43, second game. Sorry, uh, other team. Uh, Dolphins Trier, 78. How many points did Dirk Passavan have and did he outscore Hot Rolling Bears by himself? I've just seen it and 30, therefore no. Um, but <laughs> 30 on 80% shooting from two. How many games a year do you think do you think Passavan wakes up and doesn't, like knows he won't have to get 40? Like, yeah, it must be. There, are games he's, there, there are games they've won without him scoring 40, but I think he wakes up every day being like, oh, I might need to shoot 32 shots today. But and even if I don't have to, I might do it anyway as I run this club. Do you think um, that's the thing of like when you're when you were younger and you were scrimmaging with people like younger than you're at a lower level where you like tried to dribble around and not take any shots? Do you think yeah. he like tries to do that and just forgets every so often? He like sees the basket and he just goes into like. It, it's like preservation mode where he's not sure he's ever going to get any daylight to take a shot ever again. Yeah. I wonder if it's like a, um, do you know, when you have to do like shooting drills that are like ball comes to this spot, ball swings to this spot, ball goes to the shooter, shooter shoots it. I wonder if like you can't do those drills with passive because he just catches the ball and shoots it from whatever position it is. And he's like, oh yeah, sorry. It's just a reflex. Um, we're we're obviously joking. I think we talk about him as if he like can't do all the other stuff too. I think we just <laughs> love, love, love exaggerating. But yeah, I want to yeah, see him yeah. take forty five shots in a game someday. Yeah, um, true. I just want to see someone take like forty five shots in a game someday. I thought David was going to get there last year at various points. Yeah, but... I I did mean to tell you about this. But I can't go back to what um, game it is because it's a few weeks back now. But it's I think I went to find the Spanish league stats at the same time that like the Spanish first division games were actually live so I ended up like navigating to one of those by accident and I didn't realize this but Rodrigo Perez of Colombia is I think playing for someone like Almeria this season in the league below the top Spanish division and there was him on one team and an Iranian guy on the other team and they had like 48 points apiece and plus 40 shots each um I'll have to dig the stats out because I I have spent like a couple of times this season being like I wonder where Rodrigo Perez went because he's like a contributing player for decent teams. Yeah, he nearly um, beat us last year with two threes in the fourth yeah. quarter. I don't know if you remember that I do that remember. game that uh, we got the victory, but definitely somehow lost in my head. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I so anyway that was like forty plus shot. I'll have to dig that stat sheet out because it was sheer unadulterated mayhem. But yeah, um, Trier with 30 from Passavan, 18 from Patrick Dorner, 17 from Volto Vlanderen, and yeah, uh, Hot Rolling Bears got 17 from Lena Nippelmeyer and single digits from everybody else. 
Uh, we'll roll straight into the next Bears game because they lost to Hamburg 43-80. to So nobody can say they're not consistent giving up, sorry, scoring 43 points in each game and giving up 70, 78 and 80 respectively. Yeah. Um, this was the first of two wins for Hamburg on the weekend. We'll get to the second game of theirs in a minute, but that's pretty impressive going considering they had one win all season up to this point. Yeah, like... So, very much just needed to save their season and did. So I don't yeah. I don't know how many German teams go up or down in, in a year. So maybe they were fine anyway. But is safe now. Uh, I think it's only one up, one down as far as I'm aware. Ah, uh, yes. Um, to be fair, there's only one team this year that I recognize as new. So that should probably have told me everything I needed to know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Hamburg got five guys in double digits, which doesn't have to them. Um, Kai Muller came off the bench. He had 14. They got 21 from Paul Yakmik, 14 from Kai and Mamadou Traore, 15 from Hannes Hatun, and 11 from Nicholas Klaas. I'm sure they don't have this many guys, man. Every Hamburg game I've seen, they have like eight players. And now I, was watching, I was watching the next game that we're going to talk about, and there were like random other people in wheelchairs on the baseline, and I was like, who are these people? And are they like... <laughs> are these guys late coming in? Yeah. Um have they got the court next? Like when you're playing. Um <laughs> to be fair, this probably never happened to you in uh in Sheffield, but like anywhere that you run you yeah. run basketball team out of a leisure center, it's like the five to eight when training finishes and the people who are playing like five aside football just walk in. <laughs> hey, come on, man. Yeah, no, that happened at my old club a lot. Um yeah, um hot rolling bears got another single person into double digits. So Abraham Mamo had 11 and they got, sorry, they got single digits from everybody else. So Hot Rolling Bears is a foregone conclusion. They'll go winless for the rest of the season. I imagine they must have one game left. Um, And yeah, if they were going to steal one, it would seemingly be against Hamburg, but not this weekend. No. Uh, Um, Cool. Yeah, crazy time. Yeah, let's do it. Sorry, I didn't know if you had anything more to say about that no, game. So I'd be really impressed if you did. All right, um, Durangin 97, Cologne 59. Durangin very close to the old triple digit, but... Do you think it... I didn't watch all the way to the end of this game, but do you think if they're at 97, they're the kind of team that would call a timeout to try and get a play for a three? I hate that stuff. And There's always a weird thing of like... Offers, no, we need to practice this kind of stuff in case it's Champions Cup. Yeah, uh, I doubt it. But you see, st- you see teams who do that where they're just starting like work on their plays and stuff at the end of a game. And it's like, oh, cool. I want to go home, but thanks. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, so this was Haluski with twenty one, Fade with ten, um, Jordy with fifteen, and Ari with ten off the bench. Fishback with seventeen off the bench, seven from ten. Um, yeah, very little resistance put up. To be fair, other yeah. side of the ball. Kaikita with 16, Mustafa back. Um, he had nine in 33 minutes, and um, Thomas Ryer with 18. Kind of the, the highlights on that side of the ball. It's good to see Mustafa Korkmaz back. And also, are you telling me that Kaikita and Mustafa could have been on the court at the same time this whole time? Are you telling me that they had a lineup? That was my thought when I watched this, man. It's like just. I don't know if it, it's taken Cologne so long and so many incarnations of what they want to do. 
to say they only really have a handful of guys who are really worth a huge amount of minutes, it's like, why is it taking you this long to figure it out? To be fair, um, like Cork Maz was minus 35 and Kayakita was minus 30. Yeah, but they're playing the, it's, be- they're playing the best 30. team in the league. So, yeah. And while we're doing plus minuses, shout out to Dylan Fishback who had 30 points in, sorry, who had plus 30 in 21 minutes. Um, He's up there for, yeah. We should keep we, a plus minus table. We should actually. That'd be a great feature. We'll do that next season. Um, yeah, just this was. This was Thuring, and I don't even know if they went fully beast mode like they tend to do against weaker teams. I thought Cologne put up a relatively decent fight, but I think there were portions of this game where Thuring were tinkering with lineups and trying stuff slightly more than they typically do. They normally just know what they do and run it until the game clock runs out, but I thought this was a little bit foot off the gas to say they got to 97 points, which is wild. Yeah. Um, but yeah, obviously, I don't think they felt hugely threatened by Cologne. Um, Corkman's back or not, but yeah, Cologne chuck him in the bucket of just get another guy or two that makes your lineup make sense, and who knows where we'll be. Yes. Okay, last one, and maybe surprise game of the weekend. I was going to say talking about who knows or something, whatever way to make this transition better. Um, Hamburg 75, uh, at in 66. So I was talking to someone about this today and who hadn't watched it yet. And they were like, what happened? And my first thing was just like, okay, well, it was an absolute beast. <laughs> like there were just so many possessions where it was like Kaimuller perimeter score or because they run it, they still run the like double screen stuff for him. And it'd be like Kaimuller gets jumped and then shoots a fade away, makes it or goes to the line and shoots a hundred percent. Like, yeah, unbelievable. He, he's like he's obviously. I think I've made this point before. He might be top guy in any of the leagues we talk about. Where it's like, can we just get him to a team I want to watch? <laughs> like, <laughs> he's he's obviously. I think he's from Hamburg originally. He's obviously pretty settled there because he went to Landil for a little bit, and he's been around. He went. He's at Cantu for a year as well and stuff. He's obviously settled back home. But I, I watched some of that stuff. I watch these games he has and it's like, man, if he was, I don't even know where I would put him off the top of my head, but I just feel like you could slot him into any team and be like, hey, sit behind a screen and make shots. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's so well, many teams. Like started his career on the screen, so it's like, or just roll and finish as a massive three. But um... Yeah, I mean, he wasn't even, speaking of rolling and finishing, he wasn't even Hamburg's top scorer, which if you tell me that Kaimel had 26 in any Hamburg game and wasn't their top scorer, I'd be like, what in, you know, did everyone else fuse into one person? Um, yes. Mamadou Traore with 30 points. <laughs> Mamadou Traore with all the breakaways in the world. Um, yeah, I, it was a weird one. I was talking to someone about this and I don't know if he's either gotten quicker or if I've just like not given him enough credit. Um, he doesn't look quick. Let's put it no. that way. No, that's what I'm saying. Like, no, I wonder if I was being unfair because he's like a bigger guy or whatever. But he's flying, man. Um, yeah. Got up and down the floor, kind of got some breakaways, made some layups. And it's like, I think by the time, like especially in the first quarter, they got some breakaways and then Rhinos kind of twigged onto that and tried to press, which is a very like high risk, high reward yeah. thing where it's like, oh, cool. These guys are breaking us down. I'm getting layups. Let's defend even higher and just hopefully yeah. stop them. I kind of didn't 
work, but they got going a little bit at some point. But I think one of the turning points was like any chance that they had of like maybe pushing it a little bit when Jim came off the floor because they had there was like a nasty sort of coming together and a chair landed on Jim in some way. Like I think that was it. Like the Jim and Ice lineups were minus four. Um, and kind of trending in the right direction. There was a point where like Heiss and Uber Top Rack were pick and rolling them to death. And it was like, all right, cool. Are we going to get going here? And then I think when you take Jim out, when you're trying to run those lineups with ones on the floor, um, they played a lot of like Nico Damiano in the middle. And it's just, I don't know, there's a thing of if you force teams into rotation and the ball goes to the middle where it has to stick. It's not that it sticks in a negative way. It's that if you're throwing the ball to a one and it's not right in their pocket, like it takes a little minute for it to either go up or hit the next spot. And it's like, okay, the team's back to five on five again. And they're no longer, they're no longer chasing your tail defensively. And I think that kind of slowed them down. Whereas Jim either pulls a couple of those or relocates somewhere and yeah, might look a bit different, but I don't know. I'm saying yeah. that, like he was minus four in his minutes. It's not like he's guaranteed. It's not like he was. No, they were smashing them, and then they weren't. But no, it's closer than it. Um, I mean, obviously, minus four in a game you lose by nine is not. You can't really stake your claim to that being the comeback. But um, yeah, man, I thought I don't know what was going on here, but obviously, Rhinos are safe in the fourth spot anyway, and couldn't move up or down. Um, and will play Thuringen in the German playoff opening round. Um, so nice knowing them, but um, yeah, it's just it was a little bit weird to me. I don't the team that beat Landil a few weeks back coming out and being completely and utterly demolished by this Hamburg team that up to this point in the season had only beaten the hot rolling bears twice. Yeah, um, yeah, call it a focus thing, call it will, but Hamburg were there for the fight, man. And like maybe the knock-on effect of Jim being there is he's a good enough chair defender that if he gets Kai or Traore switched onto him, you know he can put up some resistance. But neither Chris Huber or Nico Damiano are, are making that happen just from a physicality standpoint. And yeah, I would you say Hamburg with it? No games left in the season. Have they finally stumbled upon the winning formula for them, or is this an outlier? Uh, I don't know. We'll have to see. They're playing EuroLeague 1 soon, so we'll have to see. Yeah, they might beat you guys, man. They might. That's it, that's true. Anything seems, can happen. Seems unlikely, but who knows. You, I mean, we're talking about teams that Kai Muller could fit on. You could maybe, maybe just dangle him the Bilbao contract before the game and be like, hey, don't shoot too well, and this is all yours. I dangle my I dangle myself a contract first. Um, yeah. Um, also, very little to do with me. Um, what was I going to say? Yeah, I don't know. It's interesting to see a team like willing to try and figure it out this late in the season. Which yeah, is sure. Huh? There's no, no number one draft pick to tank for. They may as well try and win these games. There's no Victor Wembayama in it for them. That's true. My God, imagine how big he'd be in a chair. Do you think he could dunk in a wheelchair? We can only hope. Um, God yeah, knows. so anyway, as that's we, us, isn't it? As we touched on there, coming up now is, well, not now, but coming up next in German league basketball is the playoffs between 
uh, first and fourth, which is Thuringen and Ryan Riverinos, and then second and third uh, between Landil and Hanover, who Hanover didn't play this week. But um, yeah, man, I think it's tracking again for the obvious top two in Germany to um, to face off again in the finals, but they got to play each other at Champs Cup again first. And, you know, both Ryan River Rhinos and Hanover have shown they're not to be trifled with. So hopefully yeah. we'll get some real good games in the last stage of the German league because we got all the talent concentrated across a couple of series now. Yeah, this is, in theory, the part of the season we do this stuff for. So it'll be interesting to see if it lives up to it. Yeah, if we get like two straight Thuringen blowout games, I'm going to be so upset. <laughs> I just, I just, I need this to be like worth, worth the build up, and I'm sure our listeners think the same after having listened to us drone on. Yeah, Landil beat Durrigan earlier on in the season. I could see this being, I could see this being great. Yeah, I just so, hope it is as a new, as a, as a neutral. I say neutral, like I know a load of guys on all the teams involved. I, I just, yeah. I just, I just want to watch good basketball because I want us to have something to talk about. All right, cool. Do we want to do the belt before we get out of here? Yeah, I was just going to say, all right, belt, Phil, cool, done. Um, I was desperate to, after he's had the stat line he's had, I was desperate to like find somebody who'd had like a handful of points, rebounds, and assists. A bit like, man, you should have seen their intangible impact on the game, and that's what the belt is for. But that would just be for the sake of me being pretentious. Um, hey, also, only- let's not let's not try too hard here. The only other person I would throw out for semi-serious consideration would be Shea Barbabai having 35 in the, the game three. But yeah, I think yeah. even stakes included and whatever, I think you can make the argument that Illunion Amiab regular season game is probably a bigger deal in the big picture of wheelchair basketball than the Italian semi-finals. Yeah, well, there are no Spanish league playoff. There are no Spanish leagues playoffs, so that is pretty much you've just won the league. <laughs> that is that is the league final. Um, cool. That's me beating Phil. It is congratulations, Phil. Phil Beldone. What was it? Eighteen points or something? Twenty-one assists. Um, yes. God um, knows. We'll post about it on Instagram. Thirteen rebounds. It was. But yeah, check. Keep an eye out for the Instagram post. And that's a lot. Yeah. That's us. This is obviously a bit delayed, so we will be back on Monday, and then we'll be back to our normal guest cycle starting two weeks from now. Cool. Yes. Thanks for listening. Thanks for your patience, and take it easy. Peace.